Uh, an anthropologist once asked a Hopi Indian in Arizona why so many of his people's songs were about rain. And the Hopi replied, because water is so scarce. Is that why so many of your songs are about love? A bit of a sobering comment. This last week, um, I occasionally do tune into uh, AM 1150. Um, Phil Johnson uh, brings a bit of a local flavor to the radio for a few hours on most weekday mornings, so some of you know who I mean. And he was asking uh, listeners whether this year or over the years they had rethought or revamped any of their Christmas traditions. Had they changed things up in any way? And so people phoned in and talked a bit about what they had done with gifts or various other ways. And at one point he, he waxed, I would say, somewhat nostalgic. And he referenced the Norman Rockwell scene of a family, a mom, a dad, kids sitting around a table enjoying Christmas. And he lamented that that image no longer reflects the reality of probably close to half of Canadian families or Canadian children. That the core social institution that we have, the institution of family, a place where you would hope that love would flourish, has been strained because love so easily seems to go sideways. And Phil Johnson wondered out loud whether we increasingly try to atone for missing love through the extravagance of gifts, hoping gifts might fill the empty space that love was intended to fill, even though we know they can't, they don't, they never will. And so we, as flawed people, struggle a bit with love. I should be more willing to receive it at times, and I should be more willing to give it. Both in terms of affection and in terms of action. And I wonder why... Why is it that we sometimes struggle with something that should be so good? Love is one of the most commonly used words in our language. But it remains a somewhat elusive commodity. Love is something we hope to find or maybe something that will find us. And when it does that we will be or everything will be okay. We have high expectations for love. But very often these expectations are placed on other things or they may be placed on other people and we don't necessarily understand our part in that love equation. 
We use love to reinforce or reference our feelings for virtually everything that could possibly have emotion attached to it. Everything from our children, our families, friends, our church, everything from those what you might call human relationships to things such as our clothing, our vehicles, even our activities, we reference them by using the word love. Love that movie. Love that game. Love that city. We at times confuse lust for love. At times we kind of confuse love with that feeling of euphoria that is quickly gone. In fact, we use love so broadly and loosely, we increasingly attach that word to things that are simply things. And circumstances can quickly cause that love to fade or disappear completely. So our love for most things is highly conditional. This is certainly the case with most material objects, and I might say as it probably should be. But we also know that it happens within our human relationships. That one decision, one event, one argument can become the trigger that begins to challenge the love that we would have once thought unconditional. And you have parents and children who refuse to speak to one another. You have husbands and wives who at one point express genuine vows of unconditional love. Richer or poor, in joy and sorrow, in sickness and in health. Only to find that when these challenges surface in life, this thing called love doesn't simply kick in and conquer everything. Love, even within the context of our earthly relationships, requires effort. In what Gary and Belinda read, it said it requires action. It requires forgiveness. It requires sacrifice. And it requires commitment on the part of both parties. That only then will unconditional love survive let alone flourish. And so in a purely earthly context, we often live with love that occasionally disappoints. Uh, there's no question that I occasionally disappoint my good wife. I know that. We find ourselves at times short on affection and at times missing in action. That love very often is somewhat conditional because of our own flawed condition. To love selflessly, 
to love sacrificially, to love when it doesn't even appear to be reciprocated, is a love that is difficult for us to muster. In fact, I might even say it's almost impossible for us to do it. I say this not as a criticism, but as a personal observation. I say it in the hope that we will renew our own efforts to love one another. In whatever context of life that may occur. Because there are rewards to be gained even in this life by seeking to be steadfast in love, faithful in love. It is a beautiful legacy that we can actually pass on to our children. As flawed as it might be, the legacy of love, faithful, steadfast love within the relationships that we have is an incredible gift and legacy. And then there's the love of God. David used the word steadfast and David used the word faithful so often to describe the love of God. Not a flawed version that occasionally will disappoint, but a perfect version. An everlasting love, a love that will be the same for you today, yesterday, tomorrow, forever. A love that is unchanging and a love that covers a multitude of sins. Love of God. Psalm 92 verse 2 says this, It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. Psalm 36, verse 5, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Psalms 103, verse 10 to roughly 17. God does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. Psalm 118, verse 1, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Our relationship to God is not dependent on us somehow pulling our weight. Our relationship with God is not about us somehow attempting to hold up our end of the bargain. The love of God is not only shown in our weakness, but the love of God is actually perfected in our weakness. Yet he loves us unconditionally. 
the Apostle John was, I would say, almost preoccupied with this theme of the love of God. A love unlike the conditional love that characterizes most of our other relationships. That somehow a holy, righteous, just God is described by John as a God of love. God is love, John said. A love for all that he has created. For you, for me. For those who are yet far from him. It's a love poured out. It's a love freely given. It's a love sacrificed. A love demonstrated to us in Jesus. God in human form. The birth of Jesus is the ultimate expression of love. A love that is Christ Jesus, it is the good news. John 4, 1 John 4, 9 to 11, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John 3.16, as was read already by Gary. For God so loved. I, that phrase, it's kind of like it's a different kind of love. How God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And this next slide to me is just, it just shouts out. The hope that lies ahead, the hope that lies within, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. It's so incredible. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It's almost like nobody needs to tell me that I struggle with sin. I already know that. So does God. Did not come to condemn, but to save the world through him. The invitation of God's love is both universal. It's extended to the whole world, and yet it is exclusive. It's offered to all. But it is reserved for those who choose to freely believe and accept. The love of God is a love both perfect in affection, which is a concept we do not truly understand. The love of God for you and me is perfect in affection. And it is perfect in action. When we talk about the love of God, we are referencing love that surpasses knowledge or understanding. A love for which there is no kind of human equivalent. 
I would say you take the best of what you feel is the love of people around you, and God's love is far greater, surpassing knowledge and understanding. That in the birth of Jesus, we are confronted with a love that has been extended, even though it was not asked for, it was not deserved or reciprocated. God simply loved. And through the incarnation of Jesus, God has extended to those who believe love in all its fullness. Nothing, nothing held back from us. The ultimate expression of God's love. Jesus is the wide open arms of God extended towards you. I found this image, although I was not looking for that but there was something about that image that struck me. I need to talk to you. And then the phrase that when somebody says that to you, it has this ability to bring up things that you may think, oh, what have you found out? What has somebody told you? In the context of our human relationships, the love we experience can run the risk of succumbing to that question. Doug, I need to talk to you. That being found out, that being confronted with failures being exposed could jeopardize the relationships that I value and I need in this life. That this comment has likely turned unconditional love in some relationships into not only conditional love, but it may have changed it into rejection and bitterness and resentment. This morning, you may sense God directing that same comment to you. Doug, I need to talk to you. When the voice of God speaks those words into your heart and into your mind, it's not a voice of condemnation. It's the voice of a loving, heavenly Father. It's not a voice of potential rejection, but it is the voice of being completely accepted as a flawed, imperfect child of the living God. It's not a voice of accusation or judgment, but the voice of forgiveness and unfailing love. That all those things that might come to your mind, if God was to say, Doug, I need to talk to you, it's been covered in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you are a child of God, I want to remind you of the unchanging, steadfast, faithful love of God for you. Noel, it's a song it played at the beginning of the service. Song is an invitation that says, come and see what God has done. Song says it's a story of amazing love. Love incarnate, love divine, because it's from God himself. This morning, I am known, inside out, by the God who loved me and gave me life. I am sustained by the love of Jesus and the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. And one of the jobs of the Spirit of God in our heart and in our mind is to remind us that we belong to God. We are His. He is ours. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This Advent, I pray, I know we don't have a lot of Advent left, but I want us to be overwhelmed by the fullness and the richness of the gift that we have been given by God in Christ Jesus. That if there's a a time where you can just sort of get away and be quiet, you need to soak in the unconditional love of God for you. A gift of life. A gift of life that God says we're supposed to experience to the full. And a gift yet to be unwrapped because it's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that you and I will share in the resurrection and the glory of Jesus. The last few Sundays I've ended with a verse from Isaiah, and I want to end it again. The last phrase, and I didn't put this on the screen, but I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me when I get to it, are simply the words, wonderful counselor. Our God is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. And he is our Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son has been given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And say it with me, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace.